0: Life Audio.
1: Hey, welcome to the Happy Ram Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, my partners in bravado, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Boys... Uh, we've, we've got a tidy, like 21 minutes pipe of radio now with Ronald. Uh, our boy's busy. Uh, he's going here and there doing things. Uh, we'll get as much radio in with him pipe as we can. And then, and we'll go as long as we need to, to, to finish up our radio program today, boys. Uh, we got a couple of intriguing topics. What does boredom look like as an adult? I think that's fascinating. I've been thinking about that a little bit lately. Um, and then what motivates you at this point in your life. We'll get to those topics and so many more right after this quick break.
2: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now
0: 800 497 4410.
2: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: All right, boys, we're back. Let's talk about boredom. Uh, What does boredom look like as an adult, and what makes you bored? Um, I feel like I'm almost never bored. Unless I'm in a meeting, and then I'm very bored. But then I, I start doing my own stuff and I make myself unboard again. Uh, I don't get bored a whole lot. What? Where are you guys at on this? Do you do you experience boredom? And if so, like, what does it look like? What makes you bored?
2: Yeah. So this this question came up. I was talking to a friend who is also raising teenagers, and we were laughing because of, you know, our kids are constantly like, "I'm bored. I have nothing to do." And we both had the immediate reaction of nothing to do sounds like heaven like mm. that's mm-hmm. when there is nothing to do i'm not bored i'm I, i'm at peace that's wonderful yourself. Yeah. yeah and so it, it was the just the total the total difference in i don't know stage in life age maturity whatever where at some point you just learn to like sit and do nothing and just kind of go oh this is restful because there's always so much to do that you don't even have a chance to be to be bored by like vacancy
1: that never happens yeah no it's true big r what about you baby
0: yeah i'm I'm with you t i i think uh i'm thinking of the things that create boredom in my life like like meetings like things like you described mm. but then like to pipe's point it's like i think what i experience is restlessness but mm. i think that's different than boredom i, I think, I think so. um yeah i think restlessness is it's it's maybe it's um it's it's waiting to do the thing that you want to do or it is it is um in a place where there is nothing to do but you want to do something but there's there's nothing available i don't know i think that's yeah. different than bo- i think that's different than boredom i or maybe it's yeah. not maybe maybe i just maybe it's semantics but i feel myself restless but i'm like Pike when i have a pocket of just nothing to do for a couple of hours <laughs> or a day like i i'm not unhappy about that ever
1: yeah you know? same that restless boredom is interesting. I, I remember very distinctly this this kind of sensation in college, and this was in the '90s. This was pre phones and and internet, really, and and pre sort of ways to entertain yourself in boring contexts. I remember sitting in the, in like these lecture halls with just this sense of being trapped. Like if I could yeah. just get out of here, you know? Yeah, it's like
2: it's like, it's like uh, intellectual claustrophobia or something.
1: Dude, yes. And I was I was like climbing the walls inside just going if I could just get to that door, I would be free, you know, and <laughs> you're trapped in there, you're bored, you can't really do anything and you know, if you if you're in a class with no friend, you can't even like chat with your friend in the back or whatever and and I remember that feeling like really frustrating. But that was 25 years ago. You know, I I, I think now you know, school's been over for a couple of weeks for me and I'm coming into this season of, I'm not bored, but I'm just less busy. And in being less busy, I'm actually having more ideas and I'm able to be creative and there's more that I want to write about. So I think for a, for a creative person, a little bit of boredom is not a bad thing, you know? And if we go pillar to post and if every minute of every day is scheduled and accounted for, it doesn't leave a lot of time to like, kind of let the mind wander and just you know light upon a new idea does that make sense yeah that makes that makes
2: total sense i I feel the same way and and, you know that that climbing the walls lecture hall thing that you're describing i feel that now very rarely but it's uh it's almost always just where i'm it's an it's when i'm obliged to attend a thing that i have no interest in you know Mm -hmm. uh social functions or uh like when I worked in publishing and had to attend conferences on those rare occasions, I would, I had to go kind of sit in on a session because it was one of our authors speaking or whatever. Yeah. 35 seconds in I'm like, my heart is starting to race because of yeah. how badly I want to leave. Yeah. And you know, I would just find excuses to get out of there, like oh, I got to use the restroom and then I just never return and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, so the, that, that piece I'm like, Oh, I still feel that I just don't have a, nearly as many obligations put on me that make me feel that. Yeah, And on the, yeah, on the creativity side, I think that's part of the reason I don't feel bored very, like with vacancy very often is because that is when the mind can just sort of, it can rest and recover and then also discover, like you said, new ideas. There's things come to mind that never, they, there is never a, a seam for them to get in otherwise.
1: Dude, so I, I have a question about the first thing that you said. Do you think boring people know that they're boring? In the sense that, you know, we, we've all been in these meetings. And, well, they keep and the, publishing books, so no. Well, yeah, that's the thing, dude. But I feel like, and in, in all three of us do a good bit of public speaking, I feel like I've definitely had moments where I've been a few minutes into a talk or a few minutes into a digression of a talk, and I'll, I'll internally just feel this sense of, oh, no, I'm being boring. Or this is boring. I know it's boring. It's boring to me. It has to be boring to them you know like do you you think boring people know that they're boring
0: yeah i mean that's a great question i think i think to have any sort of awareness of that means that you'll be on the less boring side (laughs) of the equation i've said this i've said this before like me and Big M have had this conversation many times when it comes to public speaking i think we've talked about it on the rap but like what's your greatest fear when you're speaking in front of people for a lot of people it's i don't want to sound dumb yeah um i you know i want to look educated whatever it is my thing is always my greatest fear is to be boring as a public speaker so yeah. like th- that's why there's there's just a lot of like uh you know that's why i insert a lot of humor in, in all in all those kinds of things but it's just like the worst thing for me is to see somebody kind of nodding off you yes. know what i mean like that yeah. to me i don't i don't care about sounding smart i don't know that that's, as a you know as an enneagram four it's just that's not like high and i never have to worry about that anyway right ha ha but like it's a, that's not high on the scale for me. But, um, <laughs> but man, to think that people are like pipe where they're swarming and they just want to get out of there. And I know, dude, as a public speaker, you can't avoid that. It doesn't matter how yeah. great of a speaker you are. There's some people who just, it has nothing to do with you. They just don't want to be there. They're not in the frame of mind for it. But yeah. man, I, I, I think to even be aware of that means that you're constantly working to at least be compelling in the way that you know how.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. And that's true. So, I want to pivot to the second part of the question. Like, what makes you bored? As you think of your, your current life, um, what makes you bored? <laughs> I think for me, it's just obligation. Yes. Like, if if a, if a thing is obligatory, I'm inclined and pointless. to be bored and, by it. And, yeah. and
2: you can't attach value to it. You're like, I'm stuck here giving somewhere between, I don't know, five minutes or, or you know six hours, hours of my life. Yeah, right, right to a thing that I can attach zero value to. I would be better yeah. if I wasn't here.
1: Well, and that's the, that's the double bind of adulthood, right? Because you, you you journey into adulthood a few years or decades, and like you become really good at attaching value to things or not. Whereas I think when you're young, a lot of things promise value, right? So like, if you're early career and you go to a meeting when you're 21 you're like, something great might happen at this meeting. I might be able to impress someone, or I might be able to make a connection that will move me forward. But at 47, I'm like, no one's impressing anyone at this meeting. None of these connections will move me forward. Like, this is just another meeting. So yeah, the, the better you become at like, kind of correctly assessing value, the 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 greater the risk is that you'll be bored. So yeah, valueless obligation. I think is high on the boredom quotient. What else makes us bored?
0: Yeah, I think it's just like I, I, I'm again, Big M. You know, like she is just inherently more curious than I am. Mm-hmm. So I just my my tastes are so narrow mm-hmm. in some ways. So a lot of it is just I see something over there. I just have no interest in it. Right. I have no interest yes. in exploring yeah. it. And yeah. I don't know what that I you know I probably had more interest when I I think Pipe wrote about this right, but I think mm-hmm. I I think I had a little more interest and in curiosity when I was younger, but like as you get older, I don't know it can go either way right. As you get older, those things can expand or they can narrow, and um, I think if they narrow too much, that something's like I think something's wrong with me, maybe potentially off in me because they've narrowed so much. Mm-hmm. But like if if you talk about Big M she is just infinitely curious even about stuff Hmm. that she doesn't like she'll never engage in it but just like learning about it
1: like she
0: like she can she can engage in things that i'm doing that she'll never do and you would look at on the on the outside and go you you can't possibly have any interest in that and she'll be like well no but i mean it's just kind of fun to like kind of learn about it even for just a few minutes and i'm just like oh man i like i don't (laughs) like i don't want to invest (laughs) any time into anything that well, like what you said, T, which is like it gets a little pragmatic, right? It's it, it yes. gets to this like what's in it for me. What's what's Correct. the what's the cost, you know, benefit. Cost benefit.
1: For me? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah.
0: And so we, we I don't know, maybe that's because we're always like because we're people that are getting deals and there's potential to like do something with something. And it's yeah. like if that's not there, then you just kinda of shrug it off.
1: Well, and the and the <clears throat> the huge kind of tragic risk in what you just said is beginning to view people in that way, right? Where, and we we all have jobs where we interact with people a good bit. And if you're not careful, you can become the kind of scumbag who just sees people as like inherently valuable or not. Like, you know, you walk into a room, you case the joint, you decide which two people are, are worth talking to and you only talk to those people. And that's at odds with what all three of us do. Or what we all yeah. three purport to do, yeah, right? Are supposed to be doing, yeah. Are supposed to be doing, which is, yeah, discipling people and ministering to people and just being a friend to people. And w- if we become too adept at like doing that kind of cost benefit work that life requires a lot of, then we run the risk of, you know, just being, yeah, just becoming uh, monsters, just <laughs> becoming monsters, right? <laughs> just it? become, and in doing so, becoming boring pipe your thoughts that's true there's
2: there's another aspect of boredom in human interaction like what you're talking about sort of the like um i'm going to connect with this person to gain so sort of using people as assets i'm going to use them as as a i'm going to use up this resource and discard it kind of thing Mm -hmm. then there's but there's another aspect like there are just people who are so inane they're boring Mm -hmm. you know and and i they're the kind of people who you know you know the conversation before it starts because you're going to talk about how work is going what deal (laughs) Mm -hmm. they've closed recently like it's all about money it's all about purchases yes that kind of thing yes and you're just like man i i could not care less about the new truck you bought like
1: because it's it's not different than the last truck you bought yes yeah and with uh, with people yes. like that, I just want to like hand them a card that says you win the interaction. Like let's just skip <laughs> the 8 minutes. You win, you know. Right. And and
2: and in my mind it's not so much I I'm in at my best. I'm not devaluing them as a person. I'm just like this is none of the stuff that I care about. Like right. If you, right. you know, if, if if they cracked a joke, if they told me if they were passionate about something, like, there's a mm-hmm. big difference between somebody who's passionate about their work and somebody who's talking about deals they've brokered, you know. Right. Because you yeah. can actually be curious about somebody who's passionate about their work, even if it's a field you don't know anything about. But if they're just like, "Man, I'm having, I, you know, I'm having a great time." You, okay, now we're talking about you. You know your right. your, your values and things like that. It's so it, I get I get profoundly bored, and that's why some of those you know the social circumstances. Really, like I'm going to go in, it's like a mixer kind of thing, which I don't yeah. have to go to many of. Thank God. But you know, it's often through like, you know somebody's work and you get invited to something or whatever. And you just like, everything is surfacey, And I just come away and I'm like, that, that was the biggest waste of time. And I was so (laughs) profoundly bored.
1: Yeah. So in that kind of situation, um, for both of you, like what's your, what kind of persona do you adopt? And like, what's the biggest risk in it? Because I think in those situations, Especially if I'm feeling a little cynical, a little frisky, I'll double down on like being a little snarky and a little shocking, and then I'll get in the car to go home and go, ah, I overdid it. You know, I I feel I feel bad now. <laughs> I feel I feel gross. It was too much. You know, too much yeah. by half. Um, yeah, I,
0: I can do that too. T. I mean, that's yeah. Yes. I think what I'm I think what I'm offended by is when this is what offends me is when you hear mm-hmm. somebody. That you don't know well, and I have to qualify it with that, because you give a lot of latitude with people that you that you've cultivated relationships with, right? Hey yeah. talk about yourself for go on and on I'm, because I know you and I care about you and I love you, and we have a relationship yeah. that, that kind of attests to that, like I have time for you, you know even if it's not all the stuff I'm most interested in, right yeah. um, so I have time for that it's when you, it's when you're talking to somebody that you, you barely know. And they will just, it's like a run on sentence. And there's such a lack of self-awareness to that. And in that, and I think sinfully, right. I'll just own it. Like I just, I actually like, it actually like angers me in a lot Mm. of ways because Mm. I can't believe that they don't catch what they're doing. And I can't believe that I'll be sitting with somebody maybe for 30 minutes. I know I sound like a monster right now, but like, I'll be sitting with somebody for 30 minutes. I don't know them. They've literally talked about themselves without even barely looking at me or 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 asking me a question. And for mm. some reason, that that just destroys me. That just kills me. And I can yeah. tend to just be like, I can feel so insulted by that, you mm. know. And um, and I and then like you, T. I can I can kind of like I I can kind of like you know return return snark for what I perceive right. as their you know their lack of self awareness. And so that's it. That's a super, that's a tough one for me yeah. because, because I, you know, it, in our line of work, that tends to happen, you know? It does.
1: Moral yeah, I was like, going to say, you you wouldn't enjoy working with college students then because that's that's 100%. kind of the... No, yeah, you have that's, a gift,
0: to I mean, because that's it, right? They're, they're just going to tell you everything that they've ever thought or dreamt about within like a 30-minute window. <laughs> that's and right. And you're supposed to just think it's the most inherently fascinating thing you've ever heard in your life, right?
1: Well, and by God's grace, I sometimes do you know um sometimes it is fascinating and sometimes the lord just gives me the the endurance to just kind of hang with it and and you know uh know what to say next but i i have a question about that though and i i actually have two questions about that kind of person question number 1 is where do you think that comes from like what sort of what sort of need do you think that that's fulfilling in that person You know what I mean? And and question number two is, do we have any sort of responsibility to, like, coach that out of them or train that out of them? You know what I mean? Because somewhere along the way, somebody should have said, don't just go into a room and bloviate about yourself for 30 minutes. Like, or don't go on a date or don't go to coffee with your friend and, you know, make it all about you for an hour. You know, like somewhere along the line, our parents or someone, someone trains that out of you. So, do you feel any kind of particular responsibility there? Slash, where yeah. do you think it comes from? Yeah,
0: I mean, I think you have to have. Like, I would never do it with somebody that was doing it upon like our first meeting. You know, that's the problem. It's like, yeah, it, to me, it requires a relationship to where you can get in there, and go, hey, man, I can we talk about something? Because like mm. you do this, and I think this is gonna, this is not gonna be, this is not a great trajectory for you in life. You're just gonna yeah. push people away. The I think it's just it's lack of like a lot of it too, man. Is just people that have just a lack of like, um, you know, social awareness and social, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of situations, they just, they lack sort of that, um, you know, they, they lack just sort of those social manners, you know, they mm-hmm. just, they don't, they I don't think get it, that. But
2: yeah, I think it, at, at the college level and, you know, college and teen is, it's just, it, there's a lot of immaturity. They, the thing that people under the age of like 25 think about most is themselves. And I mean, that's probably true for all of us, but you, you hopefully the eyes sort of lift as you get older. And not only that, you think about everything through your own perspective. How does this benefit me? What is, as opposed to sort of the bigger picture. And so like, you know, my, my older daughter is, is going to be a senior in high school next year. This is an ongoing conversation with us where I'm like, Hey, you can't just enter an interaction and think, how does this benefit me? What is the cost to me? You have to think, what is, what is the purpose of this thing for, for everybody so that you're not, you're not just selfish. When somebody 's yeah. like forty five and does what you guys are <laughs> describing, I think that 's a profoundly lonely person yeah you know, i was at and I was at a work function with my wife a, a year or two ago, and there was one guy particular you can kind of you know you can kind of tell like he's he 's mm-hmm. the social misfit, everybody else is kind of mingling in groups and mixing groups, and it 's all sort of socially inane, but it 's sort of appropriately mm-hmm. that way, and mm-hmm. everybody is appropriately giving ear to everyone else. And this guy would just go on for twenty minutes. I I had met him forty five seconds before about his (laughs) his sales numbers and this and this, and he's hoping to do this this year. And I don't even remember his name, you know. At this point, like it's, and I just I thought about it later, and I thought I bet that guy doesn't have any friends. Like I bet I bet he has nobody to talk about life with, so nothing has perspective. Mm. Uh, You know, because it when somebody just um monopolizes like that. It's it has to be because they they're not sort of bouncing off different pieces of conversation and different pieces of life in different relationships where they have sort of a they they have sort of a a group of people speaking into them, listening to them, sharpening them, whatever. And so it's I don't know what our responsibility is to help them, because especially if you don't know them well, you can't be like, hey, you've been talking for 20 straight minutes. You want to quit?
1: Yeah. As tempting as that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and so you kind of try to like steer it towards something that might be remotely interesting or you just try to get out of it. And I, I want to take a break because we need to take a break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about how you get out of stuff like that. We'll be back in two and two. All right, boys, we're back. So you're in that scenario. You're getting filibustered by some dude who's just bragging about accomplishments or laying some inanity on you. What's your exit strategy? Are you smooth with it? Or are you just like, get me out of this as quickly as possible? Uh, Thoughts on that from either of you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you just learn. I think you learn. If you're, if you're learning well, I think in what we do, you you learn how to become an an expert transitioner, right? Mm -hmm. Which is just, Mm -hmm. if you're in a room full of people, Um, I don't know I have different things I do phrases and it's mainly just hey I want to move on and you know I see this person over here I'd love to love to chat with them I haven't seen them in a little while and um, so it's more of just you know hey I hear you it's been great chatting it's been great catching up Um, Mm -hmm. I see I see Ted and Barnabas over there I'm gonna go catch up with them but dude, mm-hmm. it was great. It was real. And, um, we'll talk to you.
1: Guys, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Up, just
0: Those kind of, I mean, really quick, almost inane kind of like, like transitional kind of phrases where you're, you're trying to, you're not trying to like, yeah. you're not trying to humiliate them, but you're saying, okay, I'm moving on and it's, it's okay that I'm moving on.
1: Yes. Yeah. I find myself in older age wanting to be like, for my for my own like conscience like really honest even in the way that i that i toss off those phrases so like we'll talk soon i try not to use that as much because like in a perfect world maybe we won't talk soon and i really hope we won't ever talk like maybe we'll never see each other again you know um yeah so i don't know i'm i'm i find myself like editing myself more along those lines pipe how do you how do you get out of it what's your what's your strategy Oh, and the comment that you just said about trying to be honest, that one's hard because sometimes you can't even be like, man, it's been great talking to you.
2: Cause really you're like, it's been, it's really good to be no longer talking to you. You know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that I'm departing. Uh-huh. Um, that one. Yeah. I just, that's when you sort of drop the like, man, it's been real. Because uh-huh. what does that mean? As anything right. you want nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: I, I'm making no moral judgments. I'm also making no qualitative judgments. Here we go. Yeah. It, it depends on the context. If it's a social environment where I don't you know, I don't really know anybody. Um, I'm not sort of you know, people aren't seeking me out, mm-hmm. then I just try to go to the bathroom. You know, yeah. and then on the way out you catch a different <laughs> group of people, you're like, Man, I gotta use the restroom <laughs> just stroll. And, you know, maybe you look like you're peeing eighteen times a night, but it's it's a yeah. good way to it's a good way to go. Yeah. Or or just be like, Oh my drink's empty, I gotta go fill it up and maybe they're the kind of person who follows you, but usually usually they don't. So you just, you can just sort of extricate yourself with a, with a functional excuse. If it's at some, if it's at church, for example, where it is a significant part of what I do to talk to people and somebody is, um, and somebody is sort of filibustering, Mm -hmm. I will just, I, I, I never want to lie to them, but I'll either say something like, man, there's some things I got to take care of. Um, you have my email hit me up. If uh, if you yeah. want to talk further about this Yeah, and like 99 times out of a hundred, I never hear from about, about it because they just, right. they just wanted the outlet. Sure. Um, yeah. or I'll say, Hey, I see somebody I've been meaning to talk to, which is often the case. You know, there's people yeah. who I can only catch on Sundays and, and, uh, and so I don't do that two minutes into a conversation, but I will do it 12 right. minutes into what should have been a two minute conversation. Yeah. And and so those are ways you can sort of deflect off. But uh yeah, I I really do try hard not to kind of give the impression that I have super valued a conversation that has really wasted my time.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. So in church context, I totally use my wife for this. So I'll start looking <laughs> around and I'll be like, dang man, I hate to do this, but I, I gotta catch up with my wife, which is not untrue. Right. So typically after church, you know, she'll go and talk with her girlfriends and I'll, I'll have a couple of dudes that I chat with and, you know, every once in a while I'll get waylaid by somebody and just get drawn into some long thing. And, uh, yeah, you could, you can always kind of lift up the chin and, and sort of start looking around and go, I think my, w- I think my wife's trying to leave. I got to catch up with her. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's not untrue. And it's, it, uh, it usually works. I'm a big bathroom guy at work stuff, right? So I figure <laughs> yes. in any kind of like large group work meeting, I got two cards to play. I've got go and get coffee. I can do that once, uh, so I can go to that little station in the back. I can I can take my time making a coffee. That'll buy me a couple minutes, and I can I can walk out and go to the bathroom, and I could stay in there for a while. Um, but my my coworkers have caught on to this. And so the, the big like faculty meeting that we have once a month, they know I'm a big bathroom guy and I'll I'll mosey out there at least once. Then they start hitting the group chat about <laughs> about me going to the bathroom. They're
2: like, Ted, your bowels okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> nice prostate, you know. And uh and then i men I, of a certain age. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they're on to me. I gotta I gotta get some new some new tricks up my sleeve for next yeah, year. In-
2: in social interactions, the, the smartphone can be really handy because, mm-hmm. you know, you keep it in your pocket. And, like, if somebody's just going and going and going, and it's a last resort because the smartphone is always a little bit rude. Yeah. But if you just pull it out and you look at it and you're like, man, something came up. I need to take care of this. Yeah. The something came up is, um, it, is it is suitably vague to not, yeah. not lie. <laughs> right. Not even mislead. Yeah. just like it doesn't mean anything it's kind of like it's been real and right. what came up i don't know an instagram notification a an yeah. excuse to leave it doesn't really right. matter because our, we have notifications on our phone all the time anything is coming up at some point you're like hey i i got to take i got to take care of this and, yeah. uh, and most of the time people are like oh yeah 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 totally totally and uh and that that is a that that's sort of a that's a last resort it's sort of like the the uh the eject lever you know, yeah. and you're like, well, this thing is going to crash and burn anyway, so I better eject while I can kind of thing.
1: Something came up, meaning the the shirt that I've been tracking for a year and a half on eBay is 15% off. You know, that's something. Um, but yeah, yeah I, just, compl- I just got an Amazon notification that my, my package shipped. I just need to yeah, see exactly. which one it is. Exactly. Yeah, and that puts like the social contract on them of like they would never say, oh, like what came up? Because it could be. Like my daughter's in jail, or you know, so it could be something really sad. So no, nobody's gonna push you on it, right? Um, and
2: and and you would never do that, or I would never do that if it was a conversation about uh, something. If they were pouring their heart out about something of significance, you wouldn't be like, ah, something came up.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would
2: you would ignore your phone. And, but uh, if and they so, were
1: if they were bloviating about their sales figures, you would absolutely say something. Oh, up.
2: I have done that so many times when I just get, or you know, or there's these, these you know, um, you guys are talking about that. Just the profoundly unself-aware people who are just they don't realize that like minute 17 of a talk about ChatGPT is is 15 <laughs> minutes too long for most of us.
1: Yeah, that's true. And that's so, so true. And and when
2: somebody's like that, I'm like. Look, you 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 not only broke the rules, you've now rewritten the rules, and so I no longer need to abide by the rules. So yeah, yeah something came up, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna go look at Twitter because that's that's more valuable than than minute 17 of ChatGPT or whatever.
1: Maybe that's what Ronnie's doing. I, I think this show's 15 minutes too long for him. You know, we we got a good 15 minutes out of him this morning, and then he's gone. What a workhorse! You know, what a what a machine. He's just. Uh, okay. He, well, okay.
2: There's an interesting there's an interesting he, technique because he did let us know on the front end. Hey, I've got like a, a hard twenty minute out today, which uh, <laughs> maybe maybe that's what we need to do in these interactions. Like you go into a meeting and you're like, guys, I yeah. got to leave at eleven fifteen, and I you got just 20 give them. Yeah, I've done that before when I don't have anywhere to be, but I know it's a waste of my time.
1: Mm, that's good, it's, but
2: it but it only works in meeting contexts, not yeah, con- not true. like somebody catches you for a conversation. Right. Now, if somebody calls you on the phone, you can do that. Mm. Because again, phone conversations, they can't see anything. They don't know what you're doing. And so if yeah. some, somebody calls and they're like, hey, do you have a few minutes? You can be like, I got five. Yeah. That way, when you give them eight, you seem generous. Oh, that's and good. you just
1: saved yourself from a 15-minute conversation. Absolutely. That's sound advice, Pipe. Uh, Piper, let's take one more ad break, which I'm happy to do for the record. Uh, and when we come back, I want to talk about motivation. We'll be right back. All right, Pipe, we're back. Uh, one last question, one last thought. Um, I'm just popping open the text again. Amazing <laughs> radio. Just show,
2: show notes extraordinaire.
1: Show notes extraordinaire. Radio professional. Uh, what motivates you at this point in your life? I think it's a fascinating question. I would have actually wanted to hear Ronnie on this because I feel like his. His motivation schematic would probably be fascinating to us. Um, I don't know. Can, I just
2: yeah, we can come back around to that one with him. Like we should talk about it. But like, I, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to hear because he he goes in so many different directions and is involved in so many different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And and I never think about it in terms of motivation, but I mean it. It's a fair amount of effort to do what he does. So I'm assuming something is driving him.
1: Yeah, and I'm not impressed by it like 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 to put a fine point on it I'm just sort of interested in where the motivation comes from because he's in his 50s but he's motivated like someone in his 20s and I honestly can't relate to that um I mean in my 20s I was extremely motivated and extremely um probably annoying to people in that but I don't know. I'm I'm probably like I have to really work hard to be motivated now. Like I have to really talk myself into stuff. Um and it's just not as easy as it used to be. I would say for me it's this is going to sound horrible and it's the least sexy answer imaginable, but it's just money. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if something pays well and I'm not morally opposed to it, I'll probably do it. Um because I I now see projects as like uh, home improvements essentially like I can yeah that one will pay for X yeah yeah I can I can replace the HVAC unit that's going to go out or I can you know resurface the sidewalk or whatever and that's so unsexy dude like in (laughs) at 28 I was yeah at 28 I was like this book is going to change the world this is a great idea and now I'm like (laughs) This is gonna change my roof, you know, uh in good ways. I hate that about myself. I really do. I, I wish I wish I could be more about I wish I could be more like Ronnie in this because I think I think he really believes in it. And I find that both ridiculous and uh appealing at some level. Your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you in sort of my observation of I mean and Ronnie's not the only guy like him. I know a handful of guys who like every time I look on their Instagram, they are flying somewhere. To meet yes. with a group of people to do this kind of thing, and I'm just like, I, I get exhausted looking at them. But they're older than me. They yeah. are th- there is a there is a drive and a value system that exists there, you know. Or yeah. guys who are like, every time you turn around, they're writing a new book. And I realize I just described Jared Wilson twice, but yeah. uh, there is yeah, there's a motivation there that I'm like, yeah, I don't tap into that. That yeah, I I'm not that guy. I what I've realized for me is that. I used to view motivation and passion as the same thing, mm. you know? So in my twenties, which meant that I was, I was, I was motivated like pinball, you know? Yeah. Cause I was passionate in a bunch of different directions, but never sort of a, like, I never had a drive toward any thing. Yeah. And now I realize that like, pa- it's a little bit like inspiration and in writing, you know, Yeah. where you can write really well without a ton of inspiration Because once you learn how to do it, you're like, no, I'm going to do this work and I'm going to, I'm going to invest myself in it. Maybe inspiration comes. And that's when I write those handful of beautiful paragraphs, but mostly I'm just doing the work because it's because of whatever value system, you know, be it money, be it benefiting someone, whatever. Yeah, no, uh, that's true. And so at this point I realized motivation for me is, is a calculus of, is it worth it? Yeah. And the more worth it it is, the more I throw myself into it. So, yeah. for example, be, being called into the pastorate has, has changed that calculus dramatically for me because worth it is often very intangible. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, is it worth it to meet with this person? Well, the answer is yes, because they, they're in a position of needing counsel, needing advice, wanting to study right. something. Like, inherently, that is valuable. Now, if they come back 18 times about the same problem and they're stuck in the same place, the value in meeting with them goes down. Mm. And at some point you go, you go basically, you know, fish or cut bait, buddy, like you need to make some changes, um, that kind of thing. So, and the same thing is true for writing for me. You know, I, I still enjoy writing, but at this point it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't need to write to fulfill myself. Right. Um, I don't, I don't have a lot of passion projects right now. However, yeah. if an opportunity comes up and says, hey, would you consider contributing this to this website or this magazine or whatever? I yeah. think about it and I go, What's, what is it worth? Some of that is money. Yeah. I don't do a lot of writing for free unless it's for our church. Right, um, right. Some of it is the organization. How much do I love and support this group of people doing this ministry? So like I write yeah. for He Reads Truth and uh, there's not a lot of money in that. but I love what they do and the focus of what they do. And and I enjoy the work itself. So there's that piece. But if it's an outside article and they're like, Hey, do you want to write an article on, uh, I don't know, mental health in the pastorate. I'm going to look at that and go, probably not the best guy to do that. Uh, you're not paying very well. And I got a lot of other things
1: going on. So probably no swing a cat in any direction and you'll hit, 25 guys who want to write about that. So, yeah. None um, of them well, but all of them <laughs> exactly. verbosely. Dude, you know what I think ultimately it comes down to? And I I, I actually want to hear you on this, too. Um, for guys in their 40s and 50s, it comes down to, like, how enamored you still are with flying. Like, the idea of flying coach anywhere is repellent to me at this point. And I've said no to stuff just because I don't want to get on an airplane but clearly guys like jared and ron they still equate getting on an airplane with like something there's something magical for them in that cuz like they're so enamored and you always get that pic of them on the airplane or in the airport lobby like the airport is still like a magical place for these people and i think i don't know if somewhere like deep in their ego or in their in their subconscious they equate getting on a plane with like someone somewhere needs me Right, like I'm important if someone's willing to spend four hundred dollars to get me to Phoenix or uh you know Sioux City, Iowa, or wherever like I'm important, and this makes me feel good, but for me like the the veneer is completely off it and i I love aviation like the idea of defying gravity in an airplane is still very compelling to me, but like uh the idea of spooning with some member of the general public for three and a half hours and making like four switches so that I can, I don't know, get paid 500 bucks to speak at some conference and sell four books. I'm not enamored with that anymore and haven't been for a long time, but I think those guys still are. Where are you at on that? Yeah,
2: I, I, so not quite again, I'm, as is usually the case, I'm not quite at the extreme where you are on this, but also mm-hmm. I'm a few years younger than you, so give me five right. years and maybe I will agree <laughs> with you a hundred percent. Right, I, I'm at. I will say it. There was a point a few years ago. Well, there was a period of time where flying was part of the was part of the the like the, almost the payment. I yes. get to go do this. So you get invited to speak and you're like, man, this is amazing. This is exciting. This is adventurous. Like you kind of yeah. feel like there, there's in all honesty, there's sort of a sense of big shotness, you know, oh, that, yeah. like like mm-hmm. you were just talking about. Flying has moved into the sense of cost for me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the in the in the cost benefit analysis of opportunity, it's on the cost side now, not the benefit side, because because yes. airports suck and tsa sucks and coach sucks and i nobody yeah. flies me first class and i've never flown first class or business class or whatever in my life cuz i can't pay for mm-hmm. it and nobody pays me to do it and it would be a waste of their money frankly like if you're a church flying yeah. me out that's don't use your money that way yeah so so then so then the question is like where i now have to weigh the benefit of who who is this group i'm going to speak to how much do i love them how much do i support them how much do i agree with them how much yeah. do i have to offer them Mm-hmm. you know so i i really enjoy when i get a chance to speak to to groups who i have an affinity with or have you know past relationship with and i get to drive there so yeah you know because i would rather spend seven hours in my own
1: car than any amount of time in an airport dude uh, amen i'm actually so i took that that camp speaking gig in pennsylvania for june and i'm driving um the flight the flight thing was complicated. I was gonna have to switch over like two times.
2: Yeah, you gotta go through like Philly and Harrisburg and then drive an hour and a half anyway or something yeah, like that. And
1: I'm like, if I'm gonna spend a day traveling, I'm gonna do it in my car. I'm taking my son Maxim. We're stopping in Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame oh, on the way up.
2: That's amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm making a I'm making a whole thing out of it and I'm delighted. I'm actually looking forward to it. Whereas, yeah, if I had to do the Philly Harrisburg you know, a whole day at an airport with the general public thing, I would be dreading it. So, see, and that's yeah. one. So, it,
2: that's that's one that camp camp Susquehanna uh, is mm-hmm. is one that I I know having spoken there a couple times, I feel like I have I have so much I have a respect and an affinity yeah. and a friendship with a couple people there. So, flying is worth it there. Um, right. And I haven't done a summer thing; it's always been shorter. So, flying makes more sense just because travel time, but. Yeah. But the first time I went up there, it was kind of a calculated, well, I say the first time I went up there, it was the tail end of me thinking that flying was, um, still a cool thing, still a cool thing. And then yeah. I realized it was, I want to say it was just coming out of kind of the COVID shutdown. Okay. And, yeah. And so then that might've been what tipped me actually was all the flights I did when you had to wear masks everywhere. Oh, and it was just like flying's always been a challenge. Yeah. It, it is now misery. And yeah. I don't think I've ever recovered to the place of being like, no, it's fun again. I'm like, nope, still, st- still just a cost.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, that's true. And, um, yeah, you got to really talk yourself into it. And, you know, I still enjoy flying in a vacation context or if I'm going somewhere with my wife and it I know it's going to be great when we get there, then you, you, you suffer through the, the experience, but, uh. But yeah, the like the truly motivated guys in their fifties, I think they're still enamored with it, you know. And I actually, I'd love to do a whole episode about that with Ronnie, like traveling the airport, um, like his his approach to all that. I think would be would be fascinating. Um, yeah, and, and It, it,
2: it might different. just be like it might just be. I mean, he he may he may not be enamored with it, but but it may just not sort of weigh on him as much.
1: Yeah yeah that's true how okay appears i'm gonna, enamored with it
2: yeah but i'm gonna throw something out there and uh yeah this might be way too simple of an explanation how Let much go. does physical size have to do with this oh good yep i mean yep. you i'm six two you're what six two six three
1: yeah six two yeah
2: both of us are both of us are solidly over 200 pounds
1: <laughs> yeah I, you know you. hopefully more on the yeah. solid
2: than on the squishy right. squishily over 200 pounds right and yeah. uh like Flying is not made for us. Ronnie's no. what? Five, nine, maybe five ten. Yeah. And you know, scrawny, scrawny Ronnie is a, is a thing. Right. And right. so I think there's just something about if you're of a certain size. Yeah. You just fit on a plane better. And so it doesn't feel like misery.
1: Yeah. That's a great point. Um, that would be interesting to track too, to get the data on, you know, the guys of a certain size or, or, bigger versus like little guys and their love for flying yeah that's good that's really good i will say it's interesting
2: because because jared wilson flies a lot and seems enamored with it or at least very okay with it and he's he's my size-ish he might be a little bigger than me uh he's he's around our size and and he Uh doesn't i don't hear him complain about this so he might be he might be uh an anomaly or maybe my theory sucks i'm not sure
1: yeah or maybe he just has like a system to where he's got it figured out. So like maybe he has those pleasant things in the airport that he only gets in the airport and he allows himself to do it when he's traveling. And that's, that's when that thing happens. You know what I mean? He he gets, he
2: gets his like vanilla Dr. Pepper and Swedish fish and that's his airport treat or something. Yeah,
1: dude. He gets his vanilla Dr. Pepper his Swedish fish. He takes the picture of his shoes. I mean, Jared, we goof on him a lot on this program, but I've I've met him a, a few times, and he doesn't seem like a a pont. You know, no. he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's <laughs> no, like not a bit enamored with his own image. But he allows himself that one little like shoe shoe and bag photograph. Like look at look at my sweet leather bag and my shoes. And, yeah, it's, and... it's
2: almost a comedic gimmick at this point. You know, it's yeah. It, it,
1: um, yeah
2: why am i blanking on his name laton conan o'brien conan o'brien yeah. i heard him talk about one time but where when you're doing kind of an absurd bit you start uh-huh. it and people chuckle and then you keep doing it and people think you're insane and then you just keep <laughs> doing it until they kind of find the zen of humor and they they fall yes. into laughter again i feel yeah. like that's jared and shoe shoe and leather backpack posts yeah it's, that's it's, good it's the conan o'brien humor effect
1: yeah and it's good to think about it that way actually and um because I I'm, I have huge respect for beating the dead horse, joke-wise, <laughs> until it becomes funny again. Yeah, I mean, That's we're, long we're than 10 years one.
2: into a podcast where this is basically what we do. It's the same <laughs> jokes over and over and
1: over again. Exactly. So we are yeah. committed to this bit. We are. And, and Pipe, we should be committed to doing a Patreon episode, probably, for our, our most special listeners. So uh, I'm going to say that on this one, we've done what we always do. In that you and I have done a full episode and Ronnie has done half of one. (laughs) (laughs) And until next time.
2: We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have
1: faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not gonna scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com
0: or wherever you listen to podcasts.